I am Nicholas Bornos of Capital Link, and I would like to welcome you uh, to our uh, panel on technology and decarbonization. You cannot really achieve decarbonization without mastering technology, which is a, a main driver towards the quest for decarbonization. And this panel is going to focus exactly on this, providing us the, with the aspect of uh, a variety of uh, important stakeholders. Uh, I will. I thank the panelists for being with us. I will turn over the moderator, uh, the moderation to Pino Spadafora of RENA. Uh, Pino is the Marine Commercial Senior Director of RENA, and uh, he will introduce the panelists. But I'd like to thank uh, uh, Salvatore, Costantino, Stamatis, and Mark. And uh, Pino, the floor is yours. And thank you. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Nicolas. Thank you, of course, uh, to Capital Link for uh, organizing this uh, this event. Uh, of course, uh, I'm pleased to introduce uh, our, our panelists today, which are uh, Mark O'Neill, President of Columbia Ship Management, Salvatore D'Amico, which is uh, CEO of uh, Ishima, but also Fleet Director of uh, D'Amico Shipping Group, Constantinos Kriakopoulos, which is co-founder of uh, Deep Sea Technologies, and Stamatis Santanis, which is uh, CEO of uh, Synergy Maritime Holdings. Okay. The... Um, the topic uh, is, uh, of course, very actual uh, technology and, uh, and uh, decarbonization. Um, uh, today, um, when uh, uh, we think and we talk about decarbonization, of course, our uh, idea is going immediately to um, uh, net uh, um, uh, carbon zero solution, uh, alternative fuels, uh, green technologies, which today, yes, uh, are uh, uh, very important to be practiced, to be tried and tested, because we have to create the possibilities to have uh, an improved maturity of these, uh, of these technologies and these alternative uh, fuels. But the reality is that uh, when, it, when uh, um, uh, it comes to um, um, availability, when it comes to uh, containment system, when it comes to um, uh, uh, risk assessment, cost uh, investments, um, this solution, uh, they are uh, um, uh, not uh, um, yet very actual. And this is why um, uh, the use of technology, which may help uh, shipping industry to improve, uh, to optimize uh, um, the management, the technical management of our assets, which are the ships, uh, of course, is, uh, is becoming uh, extremely important. And the synergy between uh, technology and the decarbonization is the topic of this, uh, this panel today. I, I would start from Mark. Uh, if uh, if Mark you don't have anything uh, against, and um, I would like to to ask you, um, considering the the, um, the growth that uh, Columbia Ship Management uh, is uh, is uh, experiencing in the last in the last years. I mean, uh, starting from uh, from uh, just to, to mention some of them: Saudi Aramco, uh, CSM in Italy, but also recently. Sea World Management in Monaco, they are only few of, of um, the, the, the project that you have done recently. Uh, uh, giantism and uh, um, uh, scale effect factor are extremely important in your business for your company. Of course, to improve and to optimize this uh, scale effect factor, you need uh, technology, you need the digitalization, you need uh, a very solid digital platform. And this is also why your partnership with the Lufthansa, but also with the, with the uh, Adobe. So I I would like to ask you if you can uh, if you can share with us uh, 
this kind of uh, um, uh, project, this kind of uh, uh, partnership, uh, uh, which kind of uh, effects they they had, uh, and they are uh, they are having uh, right uh, right now in terms of decarbonization. Thanks very much, uh, Pino, and uh, a warm welcome to everybody. And thanks very much to Capital Link for having uh, me on this. And I come to you from the glorious surrounds of uh, Costa Navarino, where I'm enjoying 10 days holiday. But uh, a loyal Capital Link supporter I am, and therefore I'm, I'm on this panel. And thanks very much. Look, a, a lot of points you made there. First of all, I hate the word giantism. Uh, uh, you know, we. this is all about scalability. And I think our industry... Uh, needs to scale up in any which way it can to confront the challenges which uh, lie ahead. And certainly, uh, Columbia, the Columbia Group uh, is scaling up and forging excellent partnerships with uh, partners all around the world. And you mentioned uh, some of them there, particularly in relation to um, the need for decarbonization going forward and the link between decarbonization and technology. And I think these two concepts are inextricably linked. We can't achieve decarbonization intelligently without the advances in technology, without the advances in digitalization. So I think as two concepts, they are inextricably linked and to do that effectively a small company a small company like columbia ship management needs to partner needs to scale uh, scale up with partners uh, uh, around the world so that's exactly what we've done and we have uh, as you know pina we have our performance optimization control room which i uh, absolutely believe is the industry leader in optimization, in voyage optimization, and in decarbonization and carbon emission measuring, which is and was always one of the main objectives of our performance optimization control room. We will, for our clients and any client of that performance optimization control room, be able to plan the carbon emissions before any journey is embarked upon and to measure the carbon emissions and indeed capture those carbon emissions and indeed capture carbon credits in this entirety of our business and offset the one against the other. Incredibly important uh, that we're able to do so for our clients, for, for the, the, the clients' vessels uh, under our management. So the performance optimization control room is just one of uh, the areas. We're also partnering up with Total Energies in energy transformation and fuel transformation, looking at testing different fuels on board our vessels and on board our, uh, our managed vessels, be it methanol, be it hydrogen, etc. We're part of uh, right at the heart of many of these projects looking at uh, uh, alternative fuels, including battery power. We've partnered up with an excellent company, uh, Hydrus in Greece, uh, which we're looking at battery power, power for the last 10 kilometers into port and the first 10 kilometers out. So looking at all of these different uh, areas, looking at greenification with Saudi Aramco, looking at the greenification of uh, the, the, the fleet of vessels operating in the Gulf. These are all concepts that you can't deal with as a small little company, Columbia. You have to scale up, you have to partner. And that's what we've been calling for in this industry. And I think the industry is reacting well to this. Uh, in Yes. You, uh, so, sorry, sorry to 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 interrupt. You you were you were mentioning CO two emission uh, um, uh, monitoring uh, measurement. 
um, is, is obvious that uh, while before uh, our uh, um, in, in our industry you were uh, um, judging let's say an asset like a ship based on uh, fuel consumption today uh, the paradigm is a little bit different you have to judge your assets um, more in terms of uh, um, co2 emission i mean things are are linked but uh, but the, the approach is a little bit different and uh, and i see that in your uh, in your uh, digital platform, platform, of course, you have this kind of uh, um, solution. In this respect, uh, I would like to ask also, um, also Constantinos, because uh, um, in their uh, Cassandra, Cassandra system, there is uh, um, an emission tracking uh, solution uh, that they are, uh, they, are, uh, they are promoting, they are using. So I would like to, to know how, how the system uh, is, uh, is, uh, is working and eventually I mean, uh, um, uh, which kind of a real application uh, they, they, are, they are doing in terms of uh, decarbonization? Thank you so much, uh, um, uh, Mark. And uh, sorry, I, just to, to make uh, the discussion a little bit more, uh, more agile. Sure, Mark, do you want to go first? I think the question, sorry, I think the question is directed to you. I, 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 to I, me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, Essentially, as you said, you know, fuel consumption and, um, and, and, and CO2 emissions are very closely linked. Uh, if you have uh, either uh, good, good, good records, what fuel you're burning at any time, uh, or uh, as we can do if, if we can figure out what fuel you're burning indirectly from the uh, um, uh, sensor metrics, um, from the fuel inlet. Uh, the temperatures and, and so on of the of the engine, uh, then it's you know uh, uh, relatively simple to calculate the uh, and track the the, the CO two emissions. Um, so uh, what we will do for our customers in the first place is look at um, the infrastructure they have in place for uh, collecting data, and uh, uh, where where possible uh, encourage the uh, the installation of sensors and then uh, integrate with those sensors electronically calibrate them. Um, diagnose using AI the, the quality of the data, which is very important. If you don't have good data, you can't do anything else. Uh, and then once we have a good solution for tracking what the CO2 is, uh, we can start looking into optimizing. Um, as um, Pino, you, you, you mentioned at the beginning, um, there are a lot of you know, very promising but extremely long-term plans for uh, carbon zero or, or net zero technologies for, for CO2 emissions. But there is this uh, very large opportunity for low-hanging fruits right away in vessels as they are now, as they're being operated now, in terms of making them more efficient uh, and um, removing the extra fuel consumption and, and CO2 emissions that are, that are coming uh, due to the lack of predictability in the vessel. So uh, things like the choice of, of seeds, uh, the choice of, of roots, uh, the choice of, uh, of uh, when to uh, clean uh, the hull of a vessel can have an enormous impact um, even plus minus, you know, uh, 30 to 40 percent on the fuel consumption for the same voyage in the same to the same destination in the same time, uh, and uh, by uh, using the most advanced deep learning technology uh, to have a, a good model of the vessel that incorporates all the data uh, that is able to model how uh, fouling is a latent variable, um, and that is able to use multiple vessels. And this is where scale comes in to learn from each other. Uh, we're able to uh, 
deliver optimizations that have tangible savings, right? So we can prove usually between six and 10% uh, savings on the fuel consumption of, of our customers' vessels, demonstrably relative to historical performance uh, using just uh, voyage optimization and speed optimization uh, without uh, needing to change anything that reduces the profitability of the, of the way you're operating the vessel. Salvatore, may, may I jump, uh, jump uh, on, on, on the same uh, um, topic, more or less, um, when it comes to monitoring, uh, um, I, I see that for, uh, for uh, D'Amico Group, uh, monitoring and data acquisition uh, um, has been for the, last, uh, uh, for the last years really very important. I mean, uh, um, uh, a great part of your strategy, a great part of your, uh, of your vision. Um, um, I don't know if you want to share with us what, what you have done and what you are doing uh, um, when it comes to um, monitoring system. I know that you have, uh, you have uh, done some installation for uh, part of your, of your fleet, but also a, a very, very uh, challenging uh, uh, project uh, in relation to paperless uh, and uh, electronic logbook for uh, for some of your uh, of your ships which is also uh, of course uh, of course uh, part of the of the technology and of course of course having an important effect on the on the um, uh, on the consumption and uh, and on the on the decarbonization good morning pino and good morning for to everybody and thank you very much for inviting me in this panel so first of all, we need to start uh, from the history. And basically the history is that we started our performance monitoring department, if I'm not wrong, 18 years ago. I think we were among the first to start such a department inside our company. And I remember that at the time when I was sharing with my uncle and my father about the fact that we were going to have someone to monitor the fuel consumption, they said, but uh, this is something that, we will, that will become very, very important in the future. But it's good that we start now so that we can uh, uh, be ahead of the curve. And as a matter of fact, uh, one thing which has not changed uh, uh, since then is the fact that all our data are stored and kept in-house uh, on our special database, which has been developed by us. So basically today we have, uh, um, we can easily, very easily in any moment, uh, check how the vessel has performed since day one to, to up to now and compare the different kind of vessel and so on. Obviously in the time digitalization, has changed a lot, a lot the paradigm. And in fact, in the recent years in particular, we have evaluated several systems. Among those, uh, we have decided to use Optimum developed by RINA as a tool to monitor on an active basis all our vessels. This allows us, also third-party vessels, as a matter of fact, this software allows us to um, really monitor uh, live uh, what is happening on board, including the usage of, uh, of equipment, the, user, the, load the load on the generators, how many generators are in use and so on. And this basically has allowed us to um, move ashore uh, the monitoring of the uh, efficiency of the ship. This means that today is not anymore only the vessel uh, ensuring that uh, there is always uh, the maximum efficiency on board, but it's always the short side who is on a daily basis checking that we are maintaining uh, as low consumption as it is possible, uh, both on the main engine and on the generator all the time. 
I heard someone speaking before about um, efficiency in the operation of the main engine. Obviously, uh, with the digitalization, uh, uh, which is uh, now allowing us that uh, the technology of communication is allowing us to have data in real time also of the main engine and of the auxiliary engine. This allows us also to optimize the engine according to weather conditions and so on. So we went from um, uh, receiving the data to uh, using weather routing service. And then today is a completely, I mean, today is a real game changer. We are today in a completely different scenario. Uh, beside that, we also wanted to make life for our seafarers on board a little bit easier. And this has been the reason why we have decided to use the electronic logbook. The electronic logbook, which, as you know, D'Amico has been the first company uh, to have it approved by a flag administration and used widely on uh, all the fleet, has been um, a big game changer because this basically allows us to monitor in real time what is happening on board, but also avoid any mistake by the ship staff in the sense that today the ship staff, whenever they need to, whenever they write um, an operations on the, on the electronic logbook, automatically this uh, goes in the, in the, for example, in the, in the oil record book and so on. And this makes life for our seafarers much, much easier on board. Beside the fact that the electronic logbook is engineerized in such a way that it doesn't allow you to do uh, internal transfer, improper internal transfer. So, for example, if you need to move between two um, tanks on board and you cannot do that, unless you put a dispensation from the flag inside the system, it will it will not allow you to, to do the operation. So I think this, is a, this has been a very smart way also to help the crew to have a very easy life on board and make their life easier in the respect of the environment, which is for us a top priority. And this was the, the main reason why we have invested so hugely in this uh, and why we have convinced our client to invest in this, third-party ship management client to invest in this, is the fact that uh, there is a very good take uh, for the environment and for our people on board. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Salvatore. Thank you for these uh, insights, of course. Stamatis, um, um, the, the market uh, today, I mean, is, uh, is obvious, uh, especially if we, if we look at, uh, at the trends uh, uh, of the new building, uh, is today again for, uh, I mean, in the hands of the shipyard, we can say like this, but this is also extremely important, uh, um, especially when it comes to setting uh, um, a, a digital, uh, um, a technology maturity of a new building. Um, having, for instance, some uh, good preparation of, uh, of a technical specification when you are uh, when you are considering when you are ordering uh, a new building, but not only the technology, but also the uh, the fuel efficiency. So setting uh, a fuel efficiency for uh, for your uh, for your ship for your asset uh, with the shipyards uh, is extremely important. So do you think? Uh, um, especially because today with uh, a lot of uh, pilot projects, with a lot of approval in principle, uh, um, uh, GDP um, uh, projects, do you think uh, we will reach a point where uh, we will have uh, a standard uh, um, approach um, uh, for, for technology, but also for, for um, uh, energy, energy efficiency and energy solution? Well, uh... 
Good afternoon, good morning, everyone. And uh, Pino, thank you for hosting this. And uh, Nicola, thank you so once again for this tremendously important uh, initiative uh, to try and uh, bring uh, industry people into the forefront of whatever is happening. Um, I've been saying uh, a lot, and uh, I will repeat it once again, that the shipping industry in respect of technology is gonna go one of its major transformational changes that it uh, hasn't really experienced for at least 50 years. Uh, the internal combustion engine as we know it and uh, everything else are now in question because we don't know what the threshold of 2030 is going to bring. So to answer your question about standardization of uh, the electronic platforms and the energy saving devices and whatever is the system that is going to monitor um, you know, consumption and performance on the ship, <clears throat> I would say that we are in one of the most uh, fragmented phases in history. Everybody's trying to really come up uh, with, um, uh, with its own system. Uh, we, in synergy, we use uh, DeepSea and we're very, very happy with uh, DeepSea. And we have seen actual and tangible results. Uh, but at the same time, there are so many platforms that I'm pretty sure are uh, good enough for you know, the, the wider shipping industry. We use DeepSea and we're very happy about that. Now, before we see a consolidation of the platforms and before we see uh, how that is going to prevail in the future, we have to really find out the base and the um, structural uh, change, uh, which is what is gonna be the, the, uh, the, the engine of tomorrow, what's gonna be the fuel of, of tomorrow. You know, these are the fundamental questions that the industry is facing now. You have 13,000 bulk carriers, you have about 50 or 60,000 uh, ocean-going ships. The number is huge. It's immense what needs to be done in a very short period of time. Uh, so in my opinion, before we see a consolidation of platforms and consolidation of systems, we really need to find out what's going to be the prevailing technology, what's going to be the prevailing ship. Um, and given the very short time we had ahead of us, uh, we have ahead of us, which is less than uh, nine years for the implementation of the 2030 rules, uh, we're already super too late. So once we see that, then we can discuss about consolidation of platforms and uh, the technologies on board the ship to monitor the actual effect of uh, whatever is going to be. Thank you, Stamatis. Um, Mark, um, going back to technology, um, uh, we see that uh, you, you have, uh, but I mean, you started since a very long time, a very a very huge project when it comes to uh, learning. Uh, also, thanks to the to the partnership with the, with the, with the Adobe. Uh, I mean, you are using uh, uh, this uh, this uh, um, uh, this solution uh, to to keep uh, um, uh, your crew updated, uh, but not only. Um, uh, but uh, e-learning e uh, basically it means also reduction of classroom. It means also. Um, uh, reduction of um, uh, trips, uh, reduction of risk, uh, reduction of uh, uh, personnel um, uh, movements. So, I mean, transport. So, when when you started this project, you you had already in mind uh, the the effects on the decarbonization because uh, I mean, e-learning has a really really a big impact. Absolutely, and uh, I, I think uh, like. The majority of us on this uh, on this conference, you know, we we're looking at how we can use technology to 
um, you know, better perform and uh, training of our crew and training of our personnel ashore as well, let's not forget those, is vital, is vital in this whole decarbonization process because it's no, is no point myself uh, and the rest of us on this call being convinced and trying to push that. We have to persuade everybody within our organizations and everybody on board our vessels. So therefore, um, you know, the, the education of our crew on board, particularly in decarbonization, decarbonization particularly in the need for optimization uh, and to protect the environment, to comply with MARPOL regulations is, is absolutely vital. And, uh, you know, we regularly roll out uh, our environmental courses to our crew. We work hand in glove with uh, OneLearn Global, which is our uh, e-learning platform education provider, which we find is is excellent and, and, and very, very flexible uh, because it gives us the courses that we want uh, for our particular ships, for our particular seamen, rather than commoditization uh, of seamen trading and, and also onshore training. So I think absolutely vital. Education is crucial uh, so that we all come at this from the same start point and, and, and fully understand the need. And, uh, you know, I fully endorse the comments made by others in that regard, too. Very good. Very good, Mark. Uh, talking about uh, uh, learning, I, I mean, we cannot, uh, we cannot, uh, I mean, we cannot uh, um, um, avoid to, to think about remote uh, inspection technologies. And uh, because this also has been a very nice uh, um, tool and technology uh, tool to to help uh, um, uh, the continuity of the business in the shipping during the the, um, uh, the pandemic uh, um, uh, situation. Salvatore, I think uh, I remember very well. You have been one uh, together with uh, with our uh, other uh, uh, guest, one of the pioneer in using uh, um, remote technology for uh, uh, doing uh, inspections. Um, I remember very well one annual full annual survey class and statutory which was done on board of one your your ship um, uh, but now it looks like after uh, the pandemic um, um, we are uh, experiencing some resistance from uh, uh, charters sometimes also from uh, the flag administration probably they they underestimate the fact that uh, remote uh, inspection te uh, techniques they are also uh, meaning uh, decarbonization. What 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 do you think about? You know, I think that we need to put everything in perspective, and we need to start uh, with a little bit of background. At uh, when COVID started, our top priority has always been the safety of the crew, and allowing people to go on board to conduct an annual survey, even if you had a surveyor in that port, was not uh, a good decision to preserve the health of our crew members. Ships are at sea, and we could not ensure that the crew would remain in a safe way. And this was the reason why we, we played it very hard with the administration in order to obtain that we were doing everything remotely. And they responded very positively, understanding the importance of the safety of the crew as the top priority. It was not only a matter of having the vessel in a remote island. It was also a matter of a vessel being in Singapore, where it was not safe to send a superintendent on board to inspect the vessel. That said, uh, obviously things have changed. We have seen a certain flex state going back to where they were before. 
some others are maintaining the current position. Personally, I think that um, the remote inspection are a good, are a very big opportunity. Imagine that we have a vessel which is sailing from uh, Brazil to Singapore. And uh, suddenly a generator experienced uh, uh, a breakdown. During normal time, we would have uh, either uh, uh, sailed the vessel into South Africa and stop it there to wait class to inspect the vessel, or we would uh, sail it to Singapore. Sometimes some, uh, uh, let's say, I want to call them brave, but they were not brave. Some, uh, let's say, ship owners, brave ship owners, were even not declaring this to the flag state and to the, and to the class till the moment, till two days before arriving in Singapore. Now, this, uh, the opportunity of remote inspection has completely changed this because we don't have to deviate the vessel anymore. We can call the class, the class can do a remote inspection, and we have our temporary a class condition, which is issued immediately as soon as this happened, and vessel remains in class without any problem, because we never have to forget that one of the things which is required by our insurance on board of the, of the vessel is that the vessel is in class. And if you have a vessel where you have three generators and one generator is out of order or one pump is out of order or the fire pump breaks down and so on, the vessel is not anymore in class. So the only way to sort it out is by obtaining a dispensation from the flag or from the, or from the classification society and so on. And for sure, the fact that they can use such a tool as remote inspection makes their life and makes our life much, much, much easier. So I think it's going to stay, it's going to remain. COVID has only boosted this forward, but at the same time, we need also to accept the fact as ship owner that we have to accept that class superintendent and so on come again on board from time to time to inspect things. There is also another added benefit. For example, if you talk about the inspection of a ballast tank, obviously when the vessel is at sea and is in laden condition, you cannot stop the vessel to inspect the ballast tank. And to have a, a superintendent from the class attending a certain inspection might be very expensive. If you can do it remotely, this will allow the class to inspect much more of what would have been expected by stopping the vessel somewhere. And so the job will be done in a much, much better way. So I think that is not only a matter of saving bunker, it's not only a matter of saving on the decarbonization side, but it's also a matter of ensuring that our vessels are much safer in the respect of the environment. The, the, remote, uh, the remote inspection, uh, in, uh, in my opinion, but uh, I think uh, uh, you can share this, uh, give, give, I mean, give you the possibility to have on board 24 seven uh, an expert, which, which is from, uh, from a class, but can be also from uh, um, an engine maker, uh, a manufacturer, whatever. So Mark, before you, you say that certain point that uh, um, te te technology is, uh, is increasing also the safety level of, of the crew on board. Um, I mean, is it, is it, uh, is it true? I mean, the, the fact that- I think, uh, I think, Pino, I, I take, I, I'm always, I always like engaging with Salvatore, but I, I don't believe for one moment that technology or remote inspections will ever replace boots on the deck 
and, and having an inspector on board looking at the vessel, uh, inspecting the vessel, there is no substitute for that. Technology can assist and in certain circumstances it can assist very ably. Um, but I don't think there's anybody who would seriously contend that uh, the remote inspections that we all had in place during COVID uh, could ever come close to the effectiveness of having an inspector coming on board the vessel and, and, and having boots on deck. And it's a simple fact, you know, we all suffered during COVID by not having the ability to have surveyors, inspectors on board. And, and we did, we, 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 we manfully in person did, did our very level best to uh, introduce other means to, to ensure the standard of the vessels were kept up, but uh, it doesn't substitute. And uh, I, I, think that's, uh, I think that's something that we, we, we must all accept. So uh, as COVID, as we come out of COVID, and we're able now obviously to get people back on decks, of course, the condition of our vessels, condition of everybody's vessels um, goes up, but we need this tool. And uh, certainly COVID was a, an accelerator of technology, a massive accelerator of technology. And we now are able to uh, connect with our crew on board in, in many different ways. Similarly, I don't believe, uh, I personally don't believe that there should, we should be taking away, uh, uh, when we talk about logbooks, et cetera, we should be taking away this responsibility too much or supporting too much uh, uh, those on board whose job it is to ensure uh, that there is no inter uh, disallowed intertank transfer, etc. You know, the master and the, the officers on board must remain in control. And I think if we assume too much of that responsibility through technology or otherwise, then we actually, and this is the point of your question, I think, we actually, we reduce the safety of the vessel. Um, you know, we, 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 the master... Uh, the master of old took all those decisions and 99% and of the time they were the right decisions. We have to very clearly leave that responsibility there and not assume the responsibility. We can aid, uh, we can provide assistance, but we mustn't take away. I think that's really important. Probably Nicholas, he has to, he has to arrange an, an, another session uh, of Capital Link talking about, uh, in this respect, for instance, about uh, autonomous ship. It, it will be very nice to listen also your opinion about this. But uh, now we are uh, on, uh, on another, uh, on another uh, um, uh, topic. Um, uh, Constantinos, in, uh, in, um, in your Cassandra Light uh, uh, version, I see that you have a, a specific... Uh, uh, target when it comes to sea cargo owner, but also um, sea cargo charter. Um, so can can you can you tell us about uh, about these? I mean, obviously, especially the charters, uh, they are uh, very very much concerned about uh, CO2 emission, about uh, um, uh, CO2 taxation. Uh, um, uh, the emission trading scheme uh, is not uh, in. I mean, is not indeed. Uh, um, uh, an emission uh, uh, trading, uh, but is a, is a taxation uh, is a taxation scheme. So can you can you tell us how the system uh, is helping uh, these uh, charters and the cargo owners? Great. So um, uh, all, all all of our systems are intended uh, to to be able to be accessed by both ship owners and charters, depending on the agreement uh, between the two, because both of them are stakeholders uh, in the fuel consumption of the vessel. And, 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 and uh, both of them have uh, required reporting from the vessel. Uh, both of them 
want uh, the vessel to be optimized. And also the charter needs to consent uh, to a, a lot of the uh, uh, things that need to be done uh, for a vessel to be able to be optimized. So there was a question from um, uh, Sangha Abeyratne, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, which I answered in the text uh, of, of, of the Q&A, which was about a very common problem, which is charters that tell uh, ships to go at, uh, at full speed uh, in order to be able to reach uh, ports in time. And so if the, if the charger is not part of the loop in terms of the fuel consumption calculations, they don't have access to a, a model of the vessel uh, based on, on the best available data that could tell them, look, you can do this if you want, but that is the most inefficient way of, of routing the vessel and will result in uh, uh, possibly tens of thousands of dollars more in fuel costs and a different CII rating even compared to delaying one day. Uh, then you end up with, with inefficient decision-making and you also end up with decision-making being too much hostage to um, uh, 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 legacies of the shipping industry, such as the traditional charter party agreement and, and instructed speeds and fixed street speeds and so on, which uh, make it very difficult to reach an, an optimal solution. So our long-term vision is to bring people as much as possible from both the owner operator side into the equation. Now, Cassandra Light, which you asked about in particular, is based on a very specific technological competence that we have and, and to our knowledge, uh, no one else in the industry has, which is we are able to use deep learning models trained on vessels that have high frequency data available and use transfer learning, which is a technology that was invented for speech processing. And there's a reason why, uh, for example, you can talk into Siri and it will recognize your voice immediately without being trained on your voice specifically one of voices. You can use transfer learning to transfer models that have been trained on other vessels to a specific vessel using just noon report data and vessel particulars uh, to, uh, uh, to calibrate. And so this gives the light version, gives an initial access to monitoring, reporting, uh, fouling detection and uh, overconsumption um, estimation and um, incoherent reported data detection to both the uh, ship owner and the charter. And so soon we'll also be releasing a routing tool that gives uh, the type of vessel tailored routing we can do with high frequency data also in this low frequency case. Thank you. Thank you very much, Constantinos. Um, Stamatis, uh, I see you're, uh, you, have, uh, you have a quite uh, um, uh, young fleet, I think is uh, less than uh, 11, 11 uh, years, years old fleet. And uh, um, of course, you have to look at, uh, at CII, uh, probably EXI, like a main concern. But uh, I mean, after the first uh, uh, calculation of the CII, probably um, uh, that you can, you can manage with the uh, engine power power reduction or Chapoli uh, approach, uh, but probably you you have to you have to do also something uh, something else. I mean, uh, especially if you want to keep uh, your fleet uh, below the requirements of the CII, which is going to to reduce every every year. So, uh, which kind of uh, um, technology, if you can uh, can share, you are considering uh, to keep the pace of the of the CII for the next uh, for the next years? That's a great question, you know, because we have started since 2015, not only to install the um, remote performance monitoring systems, but also in cooperation with the charters in 2018, we started installing energy saving devices. 
I cannot give you an answer, not because I don't want to, but each particular ship requires a different measure. So depending on the size and where the ship has been built and what vintage and whatnot, you apply different um, energy saving device uh, initiatives. Uh, in some cases, uh, the coating alone makes the biggest uh, change by far. In other cases, uh, the Mavis ducts or whatever ducts you install on the propellers or the Bosch cup fins uh, or a combination of all the above uh, actually make a huge difference in the efficiency of the ships. We strongly believe that uh, the existing fleet in the water can uh, be more uh, efficient by installing energy saving devices, by smart weather planning and routing, uh, like Osabino just mentioned, which in my mind is completely inexplicable why 99.9% of the owners are not using it. It's, it's beyond my understanding why this simple thing um, is not applied on all the ships uh, globally. So the thing is that we will be able to catch the CII day one, uh, but I remind you, unfortunately, that the CII will have a progressive application, which means that every year it's only going to be becoming worse and worse. And given the fact that we already have like very, very few, um, a lot of ships in the water and uh, the, the penetration and implementation of all these measures is not so fast as someone would expect. I'm very concerned that uh, when we hit 2016, which is literally around the corner, uh, we will have a problem. <laughs> I don't really see how the current fleet is going to be meeting, uh, you know, the CII uh, regulations of 2026 and, and onwards. So I'm very concerned with doing whatever we can in synergy. Uh, we, we cannot rebuild the ship, but we cannot order new ships because we don't know what the technology of tomorrow is going to look like. But as far as the existing ship is concerned, I think that we're doing everything we can in order to make the fleet more efficient, including limited, of course, the uh, power reduction and all the power reduction. Matis, you say that we have already a lot of ships on the water, but yes. if you combine, for instance, uh, um, slow steaming, which we were using already, with the, now uh, this uh, um, uh, uh, technology solution like uh, um, uh, route optimization, uh, um, uh, voyage optimization of uh, weather forecast, etc., etc. I mean, this is uh, this is this uh, just-in-time solution. I think this is will uh, will uh, probably will uh, will increase. Uh, I mean, will require more and more uh, more and more ships. That you are you are expecting. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, uh, Pino, but uh, that's uh, an amazing point. Uh, but it works only if you have a healthy fleet replacement uh, program. Uh, I remind you that the fleet uh, order book uh, is uh, usually zero to 2% uh, because nobody's willing to uh, invest in new ships for two reasons, the technology of tomorrow and also the price differential between a five-year-old, 10-year-old and a new building ship. So when you have a natural replacement schedule, then of course that makes uh, great sense because the ships in the water pretty much remain constant. Of course, we know in history that uh, the replacement schedule is usually unhealthy because people try to put too many orders when the rates are high. In our case now, when you have a zero order book and the ship's uh, average age is getting older and older, you can have a natural churn rate. So a lot of ships will be exiting the water in the next few years. I mean, 60% of the fleet right now is built in 2012 and previous to that. 
So it's already a quite middle-aged fleet. I mean, what's going to happen in five years from tomorrow when most of the fleet will have hit 15 years, which is the limit for many charters to operate? All the ships thank will become redundant. So thank you, thank yeah. you, <laughs> thank but you so much. I don't see that happening. <laughs> thank you so much uh, for uh, for your uh, for your um, uh, for sharing with us uh, your uh, your vision on this. I mean, we we have concluded our panel. Um, uh, of course, uh, technolo technology is helping uh, uh, decarbonization. I would say that uh, is enabling uh, uh, decarbonization and is validating all the activities that we are doing uh, in terms of, uh, of decarbonization. Um, uh, our time is, uh, is, uh, is over for now. I would like to thanks again, uh, Nicholas and the Capital Link and all of you for, uh, for giving uh, your contribution to this, uh, to this panel. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pina.